Welcome to King Street Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you as much as it has blessed us. If you would like to sow into what God is doing here at King Street Church, head over to kingstreet.church. That's kingst.church. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the message. We are in Matthew chapter number 13. Um... And we are going to be looking at the verse 10 through verse 17. And I've got to change my cadence here. We'll put you and me to sleep. Matthew 10, uh, Matthew 13, I'm sorry, verse 10 through 17. Matthew 13, 10 through 17. All right. You good right there, Zeke? Okay, we love you. All right. Um, If you've got it, say amen. Matthew 13. Amen. Amen. Everybody got it? If you don't have it, say hold on. Okay, that's all right. Get there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the first book in the New Testament in the New Covenant. Matthew, the first of the four Gospels, the first of the three synoptic Gospels in order, but not in chronology. But it is the first, if you are at Malachi, if you can find that, then you are one step before Matthew. 400 years, but just one page. It's glorious. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13. If everybody's got to say amen. Amen. If you don't have it, that's all right. You just quietly find it while we pray. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Father, I ask you this morning, God, to impart to us the type of wisdom that comes to a people who live inside of the reality of your kingdom that is ever increasing, that is growing within us like leaven and is causing us, God, to have the faith that is mustard seed size in what we hear, but grows to be a tree that fills the air. God, would you fill us with the type of wisdom this morning, not by, not by our mind, God, but by our spirit. Would you pour into us this morning? Would you make a deposit this morning that will leave us transformed um, by the power of of your creative word. And will you do so in such a way, Lord, so that you can not just, um, not just so that you can develop our thought life, not just so that you can develop our ability to, to know uh, historical facts or, or, the, or the narrative of your word, but would you do it in our spirit so that we would be joined together, God, with the way that you think and where you are and the way that you see. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and to work and mold in our heart a newness this morning so that that we are carried into the place where, where we are perpetually being, as the Bible says, transformed by the renewing of our mind. I ask you this morning over us, uh, and I, I pray, Lord, that every person personally would ask this, God. I pray, Lord, that you would walk through our walls today, and I pray that you would manifest your finished work in such a way so that we are transformed today. I believe coming in here today, God, that we are going to be different when we leave here, and we're going to be different by having been invited by Holy Spirit into a grace that, we, that you have for 
for this day, that we will leave here having been transformed in the inner man, in the, in the place, God, where we are being renewed day by day by day. And so, Lord, we let go of everything else today to hold on to what you would say and to believe that today's bread is enough for today and it's to sustain us. So this is what I ask God. Transform us by the power of your word, by the power of your decrees, the power of your spirit. Take us to new places. Even if nothing around us changes, take us to a greater revelation of the beauty of Jesus, the wonder of your kingdom the glory of your majesty and the power of your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if you've got it, Matthew chapter number 13, starting in verse number 10. I was wrestling with a couple of different places to go. One was pretty, um, I don't want to use a word. There was One was a little bit more mystical than the other, and then as we were in worship, I said maybe, Maybe some practical practice would be good for us today, and so I won't go as deep as I had intended to, but God is going to use this. I believe he spoke to me some stuff about today, so I just say to you, be prepared, open your heart. Matthew 13, starting in verse number 10, says this, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus had just told the parable of the sower. If you're not familiar, we'll back up and read that. I'm not going to expound on it, but I want to give you an idea of the type of language that Jesus is speaking. All of Matthew 13 is full of these parables that Jesus is speaking. He's addressing um, two people at one time. He's addressing his disciples. He's imparting to them some of the greatest kingdom wisdom that you can get. Is, is in Matthew 13 in these parables. Um, <clears throat> we learn a, a, a much about the kingdom from these parables, but he's also speaking to the, the onlookers and the religious that, are, that have gathered around so that they could listen in on what he's saying, hoping to condemn him and probably to find fault. But he says, Matthew 13... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had thought go by. Matthew 13, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. And so they got into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude sat on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the waysides, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. Let me read that again. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that's a dual statement there because he's going to go on and tell us that the parable of the seed, the seed is the word. And so he says, let he who has ears hear. And this is actually more, I think, of a prophetic declaration here about what's getting ready to happen as he's preaching to them all of these parables, communicating to them all, through all of these parables. 
But his disciples, after he talks to them like this, with the understanding that they already have, having listened to Jesus, knowing who he is, having walked with him for a while, they say this to, to, to Jesus. They say, um, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that, that you, if you're his disciple, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And for whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. We, remember we talked last week about the fact that that's a quotation that comes out of Isaiah chapter number 6. That when God is talking to, when, when Isaiah is caught up in the heavenly realm, he's there in the throne room of God. And in the throne room of God, he, he is confronted by the glory that's all around him. And he hears a voice when he's in the midst of the Trinity. He hears the Trinity talking. Isaiah's there. And he says, uh, he hears the words that say, and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And he says, go forth and cause them to, and he commands him to go and speak in such a way to proclaim that they would have dull ears, or that they would have dull hearts. And because of that, they would not be able to hear and they would not be able to see. And he's to go and to prophesy to a group of people, obviously in Isaiah's day, that are getting ready to go into Babylonian captivity. But it's contrary to most of the way that Isaiah prophesies because Jeremiah, really is the one that prophesies towards, um, towards the coming destruction. And it's Isaiah who's been given some of that, but mostly his job is to prophesy even to an age to come after that, to take the spiritual reality of those that have finally come out of bondage and to pro proclaim these prophetic messages that actually many of them speak into the day that we live in inside of the new covenant. Many of them were, were given for us. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 34, um, uh, you know, Isaiah 54 uh, is one of the passages that's quoted concerning the church. These passages were actually speaking about a people that would finally come out of bondage, which is us. That we would come out of the bondage that what religion couldn't do, that what the old covenant couldn't do, and that it could never set us free from the bondage of sin that Jesus came and did. And because of that, we who live in the new covenant are the people who live outside of bondage. Yeah, we are the, we, that's good news. I don't know. We live outside of bondage. Hooray! <laughs> we are no longer under the bondage of of the law of sin and death. Uh, Paul in Romans talks about this. He talks about the fact that, I think it's in uh, Romans chapter number 12, he talks about the fact that, that all the law ever did was kill. That's all it ever did. So it killed animals, it, it, it revealed sin so that it could bring destruction, it only brought low. But in contrast to that, this new covenant, this new and living way by the Spirit, builds and redeems and restores. And he said, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
We've been called to reconcile all things to God. Hebrews says he's the heir of all things. And we've been called to have such a mind and a heart that we can see the by the spirit, that we can see the nature of things as they should be inside of the beloved nature of, of, of Christ, inside of our understanding of having been redeemed in him and the righteousness that comes by that it opens our eyes and our heart to then what the Bible calls is a blessing, which means that our that our increase benefits everything around us because it comes with the wisdom to be able to see things as they should be. That's good news too. Uh, that's good news too, right? Uh, it gives us the wisdom to see this, that we that actually this new covenant comes with it and ever increase. That's why, that's why, um, when Jesus comes to the fig tree, he expects it to have fruit on it. Why? Because in the presence of Jesus, in, in the relation to the nearness to Jesus, in Jesus' lordship, everything is expected to have increase. When he talks about us, he says, uh, he says, abide in me, and if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Why? Because it's all because the increase of the kingdom, the increase of the government of God in your life life in my life and in everything around us is intended to perpetually increase and he has no opposition he has he has no foes that can withstand him he's king but he has wired uh, he has not wired um, he has he has ordered things so that, uh, so that his partnership with you and with I, with the believer, with sons and daughters, his, um, his realm is already in order. Heaven is. Are you with me? Like there's a, that's why he told us to pray that it will be on earth as it is in heaven. Where God is, everything is already in order. Everything is in order. Right? The 24 elders all have thrones. They all know when to cast down their crowns. The angels, they know when to worship. The, the chorus is, is already always set. His, his world, where, he, where he, his domain is, is already in order. Why? Because God is there. And because God is in, because he's unopposable and because he is in heaven, or heaven is in him, um, he, because he is in that realm of heaven, his glory creates an order and a function to where he is. I, I bet they don't struggle with the announcements in heaven. <laughs> Nobody has to encourage the elders that you ought to praise him, right? Nobody has, to, nobody has to do any of that. Why? Because God's world is in order because God is in his rightful place. He is in the center of his world, of his realm, of, of heaven, where he presently is, where he presently resides or where it resides in him, where the two are in union. So what about earth? Well, earth is supposed to come into that same design that it had in the beginning where man is a steward in it. Earth is supposed to come into that same kind of order. Earth is supposed to come into that same kind of order. Yeah. God has wisdom for every sphere of life so that the earth can come into order. 
but he's given us the responsibility in humility to be able to see those and to live in those with the type of God-given wisdom that would cause things by our by us being present for things to come into a more righteous order and that more righteous order is not like the old order where everything had a place the more righteous order is in such a way so that everything is filled with glory so I don't know if you can dream about this, but I, I don't know if you can even think about it this morning. I don't know if what I'm saying to you sounds foreign. You might be here this morning saying, I'm just f trying to figure out how do I get through tomorrow? Well, I'm trying to tell you how you get through tomorrow. You're not subject to tomorrow. Tomorrow is subject to you. So I, I'm trying to lead you into a better way here than this. So don't, don't get lost with me. I'm going, to try to, I'm going to try to show you some of this this morning for the purpose for which you, you and I were created. And as we come into that design purpose, I believe it's going to give us a liberty to know who we are. And if we have a liberty to know who we are, then we will stop operating as if we are subject to the world around us. And we'll start to believe that the world within us is actually the ordering place of the world around us. That's why when God wants to correct your tomorrow, he doesn't go into your tomorrow. He gives you new mercy for it the next day. Do you understand? Because, because what we were created for is that through connection with God, that we are supposed to be able to dream the realities. We're supposed to be able to see the realities of things as they are according to the finished work of Jesus and to believe, to believe for them to be that way and to search them out in faith. And as we search them out in faith, to begin to see the order of God come and create new places and new ways of function in every place that we have been assigned to. Whether or not that's in your home, whether or not that's in your workplace, whether or not it's in ministry, whether or not it's in finance, whether or not he's got an answer for all of it. And it's actually been given to us to know those things. It's been given to us to search out the type of wisdom that God already has. And it's supposed to be to us a thing that is not already. This is where most believers get where we get trapped. We always feel like we're already supposed to have the answers. Right? So we search through our Rolodex and we feel like we're already supposed to have the answers. And we live in kind of a, we live in a place um, that doesn't honor what Jesus has done on our behalf because we live in this place of going in and coming out. So we do is we go into the word to try to get an answer. Or we go into prayer to try to get a resolution. And then we come back out of that and we try to use it. But all of what God has made and designed for us is supposed to be done through a union between us and him. And so we're not supposed to have all of the wisdom. We're just supposed to have a heart to search it out. Your mind, the, what the, the new mind, the reason why the Bible says that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our new minds are supposed to dream in hope of things that the earth has not yet seen of what it would look like if God came and touched that. This is, the Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on things below, right? Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says? Set your mind on things above and not things below. That's what the scripture teaches us, isn't it? Right? So what that doesn't mean when we set our mind on things above is it doesn't mean, you know, just, just to think in terms of eternity. If he was going to say that, he could have said that. 
But what it means is, and the reason why we have so much, why include in the scripture what the throne room of heaven looks like? Why include in the scripture that Jesus' eyes are full of fire? Why include in the scripture that his hair is white like wool? That he had, I understand that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, but why, why? Why does he take the time to do that? Why, as, as Luke was teaching us one Wednesday, why does he say that when God walked on the mountain, when he came to come meet with Moses, that when he lifted his feet, that there were gemstones underneath of where his feet were? Why, does, why take time to tell us that, that the, the creatures have eyes all around them and six faces and wings all around? Unless it's supposed to give our mind a new way of thinking that is supposed to teach us how to understand a realm that is in God and that we are supposed to be acquainted and familiar with. Now, I, I, I don't want you to take that and say what I'm, that, what I'm not trying to say. I'm just trying to say that what we're supposed to have our mindset on is that the realm of God's kingdom, the place where God dwells, the way that God works is far past the way that we can think. And we can't actually, you know, the, the scripture says, the psalmist said, um, um, his ways are past finding out who can know the mind of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to try. It just means that it'll never all fit. It'll never all fit. But we've been given to set our mind like his. The Bible says, let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now we can't contain it all, which is why we stay in dependence, which is, which is the necessity of the secret place in the first place. So, and this is, uh, this is the thing that, that really strikes down that whole, anybody ever heard this religious adage that says, uh, I saw Tiffany Quirin not too long ago, but um, the contrary to it. Uh, has anybody ever heard this old religious, religious adage, God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. Raise your hand if you ever told somebody that. Raise your hand if you now realize that that's a lie. We're not supposed to be able to handle it. We're supposed to be in union with him walking together, right? If we could handle it, we wouldn't need him, right? But this is just the overflow of that old covenant way of thinking that says we have to find out before we're found out. We have to figure it out before God catches us lacking. It's just the overflow of that. But but in our state, in this new covenant, resurrected life that God has brought us into, it's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And the quotation that's here from Isaiah, it, it particularly marks a group of people. And that's the people, the religious people that are stuck in an old way of thinking, in an old paradigm, according to that, that law that I was telling you about, according to that legalism, according to that separation from God, and according to that confidence in their own works and in themselves. And he said, these are the people that Isaiah was prophesying about that said that they would have a dull heart and because they had a dull heart they wouldn't have ability to hear and they wouldn't have an ability to see but not us it's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God okay so what we said last week was that what that's telling us if we look at if we look at the passage and we look at what it says about Ezekiel it's telling us that the place the secret place that God has desired for us if you've been around at all you've heard a ton of people over the past few years quoting the verse that says um, 
uh, blessed is the man who, uh, what does it say? Dwells in the shadow of the most high. Come on, somebody knows it's uh, uh, Psalm 91. Yeah, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high, under the shadow of his wings, right? Pestilence will be far from him, right? What is the secret place? Well, the secret place that, and, uh, and uh, uh, um, Luke was teaching us a few weeks ago that probably the reason why, uh, why David could write this was because when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, when he was bringing the presence of God in, after he had danced before it, when he finally put it down in its resting place, that scholars believe that he would then go into the presence of God and he would just lay down and take a nap next to it. The, the, under the shadow of his wings, the wings that were on the Ark of the Covenant, that he found such beautiful rest in the presence of God that he would just lay down and take a nap there in the holy place. Such a rest and a freedom from performance that he could, when he got that close to God, he could just lay down next to it. Uzzah couldn't touch it, but David could lay down next to it and not fear for a moment because of his reverence and his, and his knowing of the presence of God. It's a beautiful thing, right? So what is the secret place? We talked last week that in the new covenant, that the secret place, if we've been transformed to be the temple of God, that God together has made us the temple, each living stone, but us, the temple of God, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, the place where heaven and earth meet is the believer. The temple now, we said this last week, we'll do it again. Who is the temple? Oh, we said me last week, didn't we? Who's the temple? Me. Who's the temple? Me. Okay, so you are the dwelling place of God. You are the place, your life, not this building, not another place. Your life is a place where heaven and earth meet together. Your life. That's what's amazing about God's goodness is that your life, with all of which you've been, it's, it's the meeting place of God. He is so patient and so kind that he has said that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And you and I, with all of our twists and turns, with all of our learning, with all of our growing, with all of our impatience and all of our futility, God has designed so that heaven and earth would meet together and that we would be his stewards in the earth and he would, for, for now, that we would be the stewards in the earth and that he would be the caretaker of heaven and that these two places would meet together so there's a governmental transfer so that what, he, what his realm is like is what our realm is like. Don't believe me? The Bible says, whatever you bind shall be bound, right? Whatever you loose shall have been loosed. What is this pointing to? This is pointing to a place of understanding that heaven and earth meet together when we commune with God. The secret place has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The great, I'll, I'll say this this morning. The greatest place of authority in all the earth this morning is the secret place of the heart of the believer. Not the White House. Not the courthouse. Not the police car that drove behind you with your suspended license on the way here. Somebody laughed. Uh, 
You told on yourself, that's all right. Um, the, not, none of that, none of that has a greater authority to accomplish a restoration, has a greater authority in the earth than the secret place of prayer that the believer has been invited into. Not, there is not another place with greater authority. There's not another place with greater authority. Everything, everything that God has designed and everything that God desires to do in the earth, he looks for a partner with in the earth. And when he finds a partner in the earth, he puts in their mouth the words of the Lord. And as they begin to pray them, he, what he's declaring there is being declared here. And the two begin to meet together. Our, 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 our lack of desire for prayer um, is born from a fact that we don't believe that it's already been accomplished what he's asking us to pray. Our greatest hindrance to prayer is we do not believe. That's why God has been speaking to us about righteousness the way that he has. Our greatest hindrance to prayer is that we do not believe that God has already accomplished everything concerning his will and his word. And we feel like it's a time where we have to come and roll the dice in the lottery. But there is no dice roll. It's a government to decree what God has said. Is a governmental authority. Many of us don't know how to go into that place and decree because we were taught that what prayer is, is, is a maybe. We were taught things like how to deal with unanswered prayers. And, and yet the Bible never talks about them. The Bible gives us zero instruction for that. If you don't know what to pray, pray the word. And then the scripture said that if you don't know what to pray in the word, pray in the spirit. Amen. There's no, we have been given a open realm to be successful in prayer. Yeah. As we pray according to the will of God. And he said, if you ask anything according to my will, it shall be done, right? Yeah. I, I've got so much I want to teach right there and say how many of you have at that point said, in God's time? You know, in God's timing, right? In God's timing. I don't, I don't want to mess with anybody's, um, I don't want to mess with anybody's theology, and I don't want to mess up anything today, but I will say this. Um, you were born again into eternity, not into time. Uh, now, now, that, I mean that in a greater measure than you think. Uh, again, I don't want to mess up your theology. Uh, if this goes over your head, just if you don't understand, just don't do anything with it. But um, because we were born again of the new creation that is eternal, did you know that there is time in heaven right now? Revelation said that it was a day that passed. It says there were 21 days that there was prayer that was going up and it was fought over in the heavenly realm. But in us, we are born again into eternity, which means we live already at the end of the agelessness. You're not even subject to time. I don't want to, okay. That doesn't, I don't want to get it. In case somebody's getting flared up and saying, well, you can't twist God's arm. I'm not saying twist God's arm. I'm saying say what God's already saying. I'm, I'm just saying say what God's already saying. It's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
the secret place is where God wants to share secrets. And this is what they found out in the new covenant with a very working theology. They, sa- they said things like this. They said, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. How did they come to that place? Because for them, what they had been born again into, what the resurrection had accomplished, was not a future date in a place called heaven, but it was a union to God. And because of this and because of their dependency on God and on his promises, because the only way that they could define what they were living in was to go back and read what God had promised that this age looked like, they had a very real dependency on Holy Spirit. Now, most believers, uh, we, most of us, especially in the West, we, we don't have much of a place for mystery. We don't have much of a place for wonder. We don't have much of a place for things that we like our, we like our, our God like we like everything else. Neatly packaged and, and well marketed, right? That's how we like things to be. We like it to be, we want to have, tell us, give us the instructions, give us the directions, and we'll go do it on our own. We are a people who pull ourselves up by our bootstrap. By God, we are pioneers. We're going to make it. If we don't make it, then we'll fight for it. It doesn't matter to us, right? And that's how we like everything. And that's how we like our relationship with God. But God didn't call us to be the husband, did he? He called us to be the submitted vessel, didn't he? So that means that a lot of where we get off when we start talking about the authority of the secret place is we start thinking that what the secret place is only for is for us to go and obtain things from God so that we can go out and show to the world. Can I tell you this that, um, can I, can I tell you this that there is so much beauty in the secret place that even that the apostles in the new covenant, that the church that we all the time talk about going back to, that they understood that there was so much there that Paul talks about getting caught up in the third heaven, right? But he still says we know in part and prophesy in part, right? He had su- there was something that, they, had, that he, they knew about this connection and communion with God. And this is what we've been invited into. There's a place where, where a father loves and longs to share with us these secrets, these mysteries. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. There are things that God longs to share with people, plans and purposes that he has, redemption and restoration that he longs to to share with a people who desire nothing more than intimacy with him. And I believe, I believe that's why he says his eyes are looking over the earth for hearts that are fully his. This idea that we're supposed to have it all figured out is It's contrary to the leader and follower dynamic that we're called to. Did you know that in in an inferior covenant, which is the old covenant, in an inferior covenant, that Elijah carried twice as much as he ever produced. Elijah, in an inferior covenant... God had made such a deposit in him. If you're not familiar with the story of Elijah and Elisha, God had made such a deposit in Elijah's life. 
His, his walk with God was so rich and so deep that by the time that he was done with his ministry, the person that came after him got double of what he had. That means there was something so rich in him, God had made such a deep deposit that there was double inside of him would it ever come out of him. God wants to share secrets in the secret place, but too many of us are always trying to cash in God's secrets for influence. I think what God is looking for, I don't think he's against that, but I think that there are some things that when you, when you recognize what, it's, what, he, what he's like, then you begin to recognize that the whispers are not all answers to our questions. Some of them are answers to questions we haven't even asked. God longs in the secret place by the Spirit. I saw something happen last week that absolutely blew my mind, and I realized that it was, it was time because I started to see that God was doing something that was, that was unusual, that there were people that were starting to learn to walk in God in a way that they hadn't before. And so that's why I want to share this with you this morning. There, I, I want, there's a place where in the quietness of God, in the stillness of God, where God makes deposits into the heart. And some of them, some of them come in, in languages that we don't understand. And this happens all throughout scripture. He's bigger than we are. He's, he's wiser than we are. His ways are not our ways. Sometimes he shares things with people in prayer. You know, if you ever quiet, if you ever learn to quiet your heart and settle your heart, sometimes he'll share things with you in your private time with him, and you won't have any idea what to do with them. And this is not actually that uncommon, right? Because this is what happened to Mary. The Bible says that Mary hid things that were spoken to her in her heart so that later on that she would, that in the day when they were fulfilled, that then she would see what they were spoken for. God longs to make deposits inside of the believer in the secret place to make deposits of mysteries, mysteries that pertain to his kingdom, mysteries of the way that he speaks. And if we have to have everything neatly packed, we're going to miss the way that God is developing us. And this is so imperative to the grace that um, God has given us to the development of the believer. This is the only thing. Let me say this this morning. This is what replaces that legalism that we've been living in. This is what replaces this, the voice of the living God, the connection, a union with the living God that you were made for. If you, do you know that if you walk in union with God in every step, if that's your desire, that, that he will, that the psalmist found it this way. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. You know, you'll have a greater power over the world, over, over the sin and the temptation if your goal day in and day out is to be in awe and in wonder of the mystery of God. If you can wake up in the morning and that, the, everything else is a facade to this, to the fulfillment of this glorious restoration that God is doing. And if our eyes and our minds and our hearts get fixed to this, it will cause our eyes, the Bible says, if our hearts get fixed, which is the secret place, which is the holy of, in the new covenant, it's the place where God and man meet, is in the heart of man. It's been given into the heart of man. The Bible says eternity is set in the heart of man. This is the holy of holies now. 
the meeting place of God and man. It's right here. It's in you. It's in the secret place. And the Lord is calling people into it, calling people into it. And there are all kinds of other voices that are saying to us not to go to that place. There's much to do. There's busyness and, and there's, there's things that need to happen. And if you get in there every time you think about things that you should be doing and things that you, and if you've got into that place, I just want to invite you, come into the rest that says there's hope and God is well able to do all of those things. But this one thing we were made for, as David, he went in, the one that rests in the shadow of the Most High, he was king, and he said, this one thing I will desire, to dwell in the presence of the Lord. This one thing, this one thing. God wants to share the ways of his thought. He wants to, he, you don't even have to understand it. He's just making deposits. And the scripture says that, that to who has, more will be given. So, so here's how we steward that secret place where God can speak the mysteries of God, where God can speak the mysteries of the coming age, where God can speak the mysteries of the wonder of the beauty of the things that are hidden just behind the veils that are over top of them. Did you know that the Bible says that, in the, in, that at the return of Jesus Christ, that everything of old creation, that in, it says that he's seated on high until all of his enemies are made his footstool. And then it says that even when he comes back, even when he comes back, that as he returns, when he comes down with a new heaven and new Jerusalem, that the remnants of the old creation will flee to look for somewhere to hide in the earth and will find none. That's glorious. Don't tell me he doesn't have something that's just underneath of the surface. Don't tell me he doesn't have beauty and wonder that's been hidden in all things. Don't tell me, how do I know? Because it's being moved out of the way for the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. So how do we, how do we operate in this secret place? Well, the, the, it's, it's not really that hard. If you, it, it first comes from a high value of Jesus. I, I started out today and I said the, the, that passage in John says that there is nothing that is supreme in this natural world to the finished work of Jesus. The Bible says it teaches us that we are presently seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, I, I, that, I have just as much a problem with trying to figure that out as you. But that's a good place to start because everything's not supposed to be figured out. Some things are just supposed to be believed. It means in my quiet place that when I go, that, that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that because of my being joined together with Jesus, because of his finished work, that I am invited to come and to sit with him. And in that place that we commune together, that we are one. And this, this really is the entirety of the goal of what Jesus came to accomplish. Um, a lot of what keeps us out of, the, out of the place of communion with the Father the way that we were intended to is is because we don't believe that what Jesus accomplished was final. So we spend a lot of our time in prayer um, trying to, trying to uh, find a way in. But the Bible says that, that anybody, that Jesus is the door and anyone that enters any other way is the thief and a robber. So the only way into communion with God, the only way I, I know that what you're, that we've been trained to think about is that he is heaven, but like I said, we're seated in heavenly places, right? So 
and heaven and earth meet in the heart of the believer, the communion of God. So, so if to enter any other way is to be a thief and a robber, then the only thing that's necessary for us to commune with God is just to believe that the blood of Jesus makes it possible. What I do, just very practically, what I do, um, I always try to keep my heart very tender towards the Lord so that he can speak anything he wants to me um, throughout the day. And I, I, whenever I, I, I just have a practice of, um, I, don't, I don't listen to music when I ride down the road or any, many of you that know me have heard that before. I, I just don't listen to it. I don't, I've trained myself. I don't need noise all the time. I don't need something to distract me. I don't need any of those things. I just try to keep my heart very centered on the Lord uh, all the time. Uh, I try to realize that what he wants to do is he just wants to whisper to me. And all of the whispers, again, all of the times when I'm setting my heart on the Lord, it doesn't mean that he's like speaking a prophetic word or telling me about what's going on with somebody or any of that. Sometimes it's just that the whisper is, is doing what the whisper does. It's just the Lord, right? And being with the Lord, there's fullness of joy in his presence. Sometimes it's not for anything. It's just to be with him. So I just ride down the road and sometimes he'll reveal a scripture. And that's, that's a big part too. I'll get to that in just a minute. But when it said to he who has more will be given. Did you know that the Holy Spirit said that he would put words in your mouth in the days to come? Do you know where he draws those words from? He draws those words from the deposits that we make as we read his word. He has a, it gives him something to draw on. When we're in difficult, when we don't know, when we don't have the answer, when, we, when we're walking along, you know, we're minding our business, we're just being kingdom people and we're walking along and then there's somebody in the grocery store, there's somebody somewhere and, and all of a sudden the Lord brings up this word, he brings up this thought, he brings up this scripture and all of a sudden it's up, it, it, you know, it, it seems pertinent, it came to your mind for some reason. It's because you made a deposit earlier that the Holy Spirit wants to draw on. So in the secret place where we're, we're obtaining mysteries, things that we don't understand how that scripture has to do anything with her. We don't, we don't know what that's going to speak to them. We don't understand what's going on. We've never met them before. We don't, we don't see this wisdom for this answer at work, or we don't see this situation for what it is. We don't see how this is going to be beautiful. We can't see an A to B from here, and that's where you need eternity to come in. And that's where God has makes, when we make a, a deposit, he makes a withdrawal on what's already in us. He makes a deposit on what's, what's already been downloaded. He makes a deposit, I mean, he makes a withdrawal on what's already been downloaded. So I don't, uh, what I do practically is I don't a lot of times ride with, I don't, I don't lean a lot on distractions or any of those things. I really just want to be in tune with him. I just, I, I get up every day and what I want to do is every day I want to live every moment to see what God's going to do today. And as I walk that way, um, there's something that for years uh, was, was a hindrance to that more than anything. And I would find that I had trouble communing with God. I had trouble getting into the presence of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've, so some people say, I pray, and it feels like the heavens are brass. Have you ever been there before? Anybody? Raise your hand. So I know that you're awake. Anybody ever felt that way before? You ever felt like you're praying and all you're doing is praying and you don't even know whether or not anything's happening and God doesn't seem to be showing up and no angels are flying around the room and no, you know, you're not being, you know, getting the Cornelius deal and he's telling you who to go call. You're just praying, right? It's in those moments where, you, number one, what we have to do is just keep praying. 
Number two, what we have to do, because we have to believe that it works. Number two is this. Most of the thing that keeps us feeling that way and, and, and is that we have some idea that there's something that can separate us and we're always looking for it. And there's, that's a lie. That's a lie. But because we're always looking for it, we're living in an inferior way. We're approaching God through a lie. So what, the, what I do in my private time is I just begin to thank him for the reality that I am born again by the Spirit, that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that I come boldly before the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus, that I've been, there's been made a new and living way through the veil that is his flesh. I just begin to rehearse all of these truths, the, uh, these simple truths that I already know to be true. And they encourage my heart whether or not anything else happens from there. I'm just encouraged in this truth. I belong to him. He and I are one. I've been given access to the holy place. I, I've been made in his image. I've been remade. And I just begin to rehearse all of my prayers, not asking for something. I just really want to be with him when I come to be with him. So, so what I do is I just begin to rehearse all the things that are true that the scripture has said. And I don't stop this. I just keep going. And it begins to transform my mind from where I am in a natural state. It translates me into a place where I begin to realize, oh wow, I am right now in communion with Jesus. It doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what, what I think like. It doesn't matter what any of those things. This superior reality is I am one with Jesus. I have been joined together with him and I, and I right now am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we need to have the word deeply in us for this purpose so we can, again, this, he says right here, to know the mysteries. He who has more will be given. There's something about, you. we need the word in us, not just so he can make a deposit of, or withdraw out of what we've deposited, but we need it also because, as Donnie was praying this morning, it quenches the fiery darts when we have faith in the truth. It quenches the lies, right? It, you won't spend all day trying to ask for forgiveness if you can quote to yourself the truth that if we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I need that because that is what answers the lies. That's what answers the condemnation of the heart. Did you know that John wrote and said, even if our heart condemns us, it lies? For God receives us, only he can, I'm sorry, I'm spitting now. Only he can condemn us and he does not? How about that? How good is that? Tell your heart the truth. If he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We need the word because we live in the word. Because we live in a reality that is to come in greater measure. We live in a different way than the world. That's why it says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are a completely different race of people. And the way that our kingdom progresses is that people find mysteries and believe them. Our kingdom is not one that comes first by sight. It comes first by faith. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. Our kingdom comes by faith. Our kingdom comes through belief.
Our kingdom tra it is, transforms the world around us through people who stay and remain in faith. Now listen to me. If you have heard this message, of faith and you felt like it has been perverted and somebody told you you should believe for a miracle and then you are on the other side of the miracle not happening and you're wondering why didn't faith work? Has anybody ever been there? I was asking the Lord about this the other day and I think he shared this with me. I think he shared with me that even on the other side, if you believed for the miracle, how, ma how many of you have ever... I'm going to slow down here and I, I'm going to, because I think this is going to be personal. How many of you have ever believed for a miracle and had to watch the person die? You believed for the miracle and then you had to watch the person die. And what is the thing that, that we do? We say that my faith didn't work. I asked the Lord about this yesterday. I was in one of those conversations. The radio wasn't on. I was riding past Lowe's in Farmville. I was late to wherever I was going as usual. And, and I was asking the Lord about this. I said, but Lord, what about that? Like, I know, I know the consolation prize, right? You get to go to heaven early, you know, glory to God. I said, Lord, what about that? What about the faith of the people? Because anything that you share with us in your word and anything you expose us to in the mysteries, we, our life is supposed to be to search those things out in faith and to let them train us. Let our faith find them. Let our faith be expressed so we can believe it. So God, what about that? And I felt like he shared this with me. I felt like the, he said, well, if you're standing on the other side of that, if you were standing on this side in the victory of Christ, having faith for it to be finished, just because your emotions changed about it, don't lose your faith on this side because you are just as much standing in the truth of the promise of God. You've just been given a different perspective to look at it with faith now. Now you're to look back on it with faith and see that it was in opposition to the glory of God. Now you're to look back on it in faith and say that should not be and I'm going to believe that just because it's not subjected to me any longer doesn't mean that God's word isn't just as true. Because we are a kingdom people and this kingdom, its increase has no end. It doesn't matter if we take an inch in faith according to the word of God. We're going to take every inch from the enemy until the final victory is death is defeated. Until then, everything becomes footstools. Until then, we stand up and rise on them. Until then, we stay in, we stay in faith. Until then, we believe the truth of God. Until then, we don't live by emotions, we live by truth. Until then, we worship. Why do we worship? We worship because we believe that he's already done it and there's nothing left for him to do. And so we start to act now like we believe we would act then. That's what faith does. 
Faith can give you today the right to say that Jesus overcame death and he has paid the price for healing from sickness. And just because you didn't see it when you thought that you needed it most doesn't mean you get to change your mind about the truth of what got you there. Now it is your right and responsibility to stand on the other side of it and say that that didn't even break me from believing God. Been given a greater position been given a greater exaltation to stand on this side of it and say it doesn't matter what I see. It's easy to say it doesn't matter what I see when you're not sure what you're going to see. But it's hard on this side to say it doesn't matter what I see. I believe it may be mysterious to me, but God has revealed it to me in part. And the part that he's revealed to me, I have to hold true to. The part that he's revealed to me, I have faith in. The part that he's shown me is what I have. And that part is true. And let God be true and every man a liar. Can somebody come uh, to play? I'm sorry. Oh, look at this handsome gentleman. The head full of hair. We were at dinner the other night. Dylan had a hat on, and there was hair flying out both sides like wings. And I was thinking to, my, I was thinking to myself, now he's just showing off, you know. <laughs> if I wear a hat, it's just so you can't tell whether or not I just got the short. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want to pray for faith today, for people to begin to, I hope we stay with this conversation of the secret place. I hope we stay with this conversation because I'm just giving you the bare basics of it now. But I believe what God wants to do, and I can show it through you all throughout Scripture. I believe what God wants to do is is to share things with his people. Um, To share beautiful things. And wonderful things, glorious things, and things that are in his heart. And I believe, I believe what he wants us to do is to learn how to receive those things deeply and let him add some here and add some there until, until it carries us, until, until there's no place for anything else, until all we think of is the way that the Lord thinks. And I believe, I believe his kindness and his patience means that he does that repetitiously. I believe that anyone can come right now and, and the Lord will speak to you. Hebrews 1 said, um, he who in, very, in times past spoke through, through the prophets, um, today he has spoken to us, he speaks to us through his son who is made to be heir of all things. I believe he wants to speak to his people and, and I believe that not just so that we can prophesy, but I believe he wants to create a maturity in us where he can hide some things in there so he can give us wisdom that is beyond just what works in church, but wisdom for the age that we live in. I believe he wants to train people's heart to that, to, to release to us a wisdom that comes in measure and it comes in secrets and it comes and it's chewed on and, and it... And it's, it, 
when it's finished, it's practical because it's the, the glory of God is the most practical thing. The way God has designed things is the most practical thing. It just doesn't always seem practical to take the time to just seek the face of the Lord. It's, it doesn't always seem practical to, to, to be trained and moved at a different rhythm that says I'm waiting on a few things from the Lord before I share this or or I'm waiting on a few things that the Lord has been sharing with me he's been speaking to me about this and I've been tracking with him and I believe that there's things that he wants to train my heart to it doesn't always seem practical to do that but it's the way of the kingdom and so what I really want to do the, as we open up this conversation and is I want I want to pray this morning for those I really wanted to leave us in a place of worship is what I thought. But as we got here and we got into that one place, I want to pray for healing of hearts that you may not even realize that you've held on to um, some offense. But I believe the Lord wants to come in and massage some of the hardness of the of your faith of your I, I believe it's been I believe it's been hardened for some people. That it's supposed to be malleable and it's supposed to be soft. The heart is supposed to be malleable and it's supposed to be soft. And it's out of the heart that a man believes. And I think your heart, I think there are people here that need, that the Lord wants to soften their heart again. Last week we talked about letting him trim our heart. Today I want to I pray for people that need their heart softened. That your faith... You, you probably have grown dull in heart. You maybe have even grown dull of hearing. And that, not, that doesn't mean that you don't hear from God. It just means that you're tired. You're tired of, of believing. And it's a sign that, that, that your heart has begun to grow hard. And I want to pray for your faith this morning and because I believe that your joy is important to God. I believe that you enjoying the goodness that he, of, of his nature and of his love and of, the, of his walking with you is, is a part of his glory. It's, it's the manifestation of, uh, of what it looks like that, that we love God and we walk as a people that walk light and airy and walk in faith and in belief. And I think that there are some people who maybe you didn't have answers and maybe you just had a part. But, but hearts have grown hard. So I want to pray for people. That if you want God today to soften your heart to believe again, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you before we go. If that's you, and you'd like the, uh, the Lord to give you a greater measure of faith, but first, you know he needs to soften some of the things, that you've believed things that you saw more than you believed things that, uh, b than you've believed what he said. Maybe you've bargained down the word. Maybe you've, uh, m m maybe what you've done is you've tried to say, well, that doesn't mean that, or this isn't like that. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for your faith today. I want, I, want to, I want to pray for you to believe that in a moment that everything can happen, that like th things are going to shift. I want you to believe outside of time, but I want to first pray for your heart. So if that's you, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want you to stand where you are. The Lord is kind. It doesn't, there's no shame in this, but I want to, I want to pray for your heart. So Father, whew, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you that we, for, the, for what we know to be about you that's true. I thank you for your tenderness towards our hearts this morning, your tenderness towards our anguish, your tenderness towards our 
our um, desire to believe your tenderness towards our history. I thank you for your tenderness towards all of that. What I ask you for this morning, I ask you, God, that as you're being tender, God, that you would just massage the heart, but that you would um, soften the hard places of our heart. As Miss Lisa was reading earlier, that hearts would grow hard, that hearts would grow cold in the last days, God. Those, those love of money, all of that thing, all, all of that comes from loving the world that we live in more than we should. Having a disobedient heart. It all comes from a selfish desire. And the antidote to a selfish desire is your desire. The antidote to that is to believe that your word is true because it's your will. It's your kingdom. It's the decrees of it. And so today I pray, God, that you would, you would give us faith to believe again. Give us a grace to believe again. I pray over hearts this morning, God, that you are, that you are removing the hard places, that you're make, giving us hearts that are not stone, but hearts that are soft, that you're giving us faith to believe, not just the faith that we used to believe with, but faith in greater measure. I, I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that, that you've called us to walk by faith and not by sight. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you who are tender to all of, of what, we, what we desired and what we longed for and what, what even you longed for, Lord, that we wouldn't let it separate us from you, that we wouldn't let it be a place where, where, you are, where you're hindered. Where we are, where we're unable to be childlike, and we are trying to be uh, to, to be rational, God, and and I believe, Lord, I believe that Your way is good. I believe that Your truth is wise, and I believe that the hope that You've laid before us that that it's so. That, that it's so beautiful and wonderful and it, it enamors our eyes to the point where we will desire to keep moving forward, but we keep hitting these stuck spots. And I pray in Jesus' name that we wouldn't need for there to be an answer this morning that is greater than the answer that you've given in your son. And so, I, I, Lord, I, I pray that we would have faith that for anyone who gave up, it's the things that you prayed into and you didn't see and now you've given up and you don't want to talk about that and you don't want to speak about it and you don't want to, you don't even want to mention it. You don't want to hear it. I pray, God, I pray, Lord, that you would restore to us joy in those places. That we wouldn't hide from them. So you would open those places up and that you would come into them and that you would help us, Lord, that you would help us to see like you see. Lord, that, we, that if need be, that we would be like the psalmist and we would go in and we would share like David did and say, I am in anguish of soul. I'm in anguish of soul. I don't, 
I don't know what to do here. I, I am torn up. My, my bones are, are crushed with it. I am like ashes before men. They look on me like dogs. The, the things that the, the psalmist wasn't afraid to say to you in private because I don't believe that you don't have an answer. I do believe that you long to speak to those things and to share with us mysteries that go beyond what our thoughts have stopped at. So I ask you, Lord, today to pick up old conversations and add faith to them. Soften our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Give us a heart that believes for for restoration in all things, God. For restoration in all things. At your coming, yes. But in the meantime, that the increase of your government, the increase of your glory, the increase of your kingdom, that there will be no end. Give us that kind of faith, God. It's it's not that unrational to just believe that you're good and you've got an answer for everything. It's simple faith that says, that says this isn't that important. God knows what he's doing. It's simple faith that says we're going to, this seems dire, but it only seems dire because we haven't seen it before. But God, you've seen this before, and I know that you're good, and I know that you're perfect, and I know that you work all things together for good, and I know that you've got a plan, and I know that you've got a purpose. It's actually simpler, God, than some of what we've created. So I pray, Lord, melt our hearts this morning. Melt our hearts in the places where they've grown hard just minister all over this room in Jesus name in Jesus name